Hi, I am Alu and I am your host at Fitteros. Welcome to Fitness Pro Chat, the podcast by Fitteros. Welcome to Fitness Pro Chat by Fitterobic. If you're looking to improve your health and well-being to lead a healthy, fit and fulfilling life, whether you're an amateur or a professional athlete, this podcast is for you. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of Fitness Pro Chat with Fitterobic. In this episode, we will speak with Nicole Golden and talk about resistance training for weight management and maximum hypertrophy. Nicole has been a health and fitness professional since 2014 and when she left the field of education to pursue a full-time career in fitness. She is an NASM master trainer and is a sports nutritionist certified through the International Society of Sports Nutrition. She is the owner of FWF Wellness where she specializes in corrective exercise, nutrition coaching, and training special population. Welcome once again, Nicole. Hi, thanks for having me again. Nicole, let's get started with today's episode. Can you please explain the fundamental principles of resistance training and how it contributes to weight management and hypertrophy? Absolutely. So during... Some of the questions in this podcast today, I'm going to do a little separation between hypertrophy and weight loss, though there is some crossover. We'll get to that a little bit later. Let's start with the four major principles of resistance training, according to the National Academy of Sports Medicine, is progressive overload, specificity, and rest and recovery, and nutrition and hydration. You need all four components to have a high-quality resistance training program and achieve any sort of hypertrophy. Let's talk about really quickly what those things mean. Progressive overload means that you're stressing the musculoskeletal system beyond what it is capable of. We do this over time by progressing loads, volumes, different uh, variables. They call them acute variables. And what that does is that gets a response from the body to grow that muscle tissue. So that's what progressive overload is. We will talk about that a little bit later in the podcast. Um, Specificity is another really important principle. It means that the body will adapt the demands put on it. And it means that your training has to be specific for the adaptation that you want. If you want muscle hypertrophy, as in bigger muscles, our training modality is going to look different than if you want to attain maximal strength for, let's say, powerlifting. Yes, hypertrophy and strength are two separate things, again, with crossover. If you're an athlete, you may want to be training more in that power area, and again, your training programs will look very different. Rest and recovery is critical, and we will get to that also later in the podcast as it refers to how we rest in between Uh, bouts of exercise and also the importance of sleep we'll be talking about a little bit. Nutrition and hydration. Nutrition is obviously key and we will talk about specific things in nutrition that lead to both the goal of weight loss and muscle hypertrophy. Uh, Backing up a little bit, I wanted to also mention that muscle hypertrophy is a phase of resistance training. It is not the only reason we use resistance training and it's typically reserved for more advanced lifters. So people who are beginning lifters, although we may get some muscle hypertrophy, that's not the primary goal of their training programs. So to get muscle hypertrophy, we're looking at very high volumes and moderate to heavy loads versus clients who may be more interested in just weight management or very beginning lifters where we're trying to teach foundational movement patterns and just get their muscles basically conditioned. That's really insightful and especially the 
protocols set out by NASM, I think they're world-class and uh, that's for everyone to follow. Uh, the next one that I have is what differentiates resistance training from other forms of exercises uh, when it comes to building muscles and promoting weight loss? So other, we'll back this up and talk about resistance training is the best way to build muscle. It is also very highly correlated with success at weight loss. However, you can build muscle with other exercise modalities. It just won't be quite as effective. So if you're cycling, running, dancing, and you're a completely deconditioned person, you will probably build some muscle doing those activities. But resistance training is more targeted at training the muscles both to from the neurological side, like how they, the brain interacts with the muscles and how the body moves as a system and also the size of the muscles. So resistance training is more focused on movement patterns and actually training the muscles and the neurological piece to movement versus just endurance training. I don't know if that sort of makes sense. You can build muscle, but again, it depends on your conditioning level. Anybody who's deconditioned will build doing anything. If you are advanced or very well-conditioned person, you're going to have to do much, much higher volumes of resistance training. Sure. So you, you talked about uh, progressive overload, uh, so especially for uh, maximum hypertrophy. How important is the concept of progressive overload and how can it be implemented effectively? So you will not really build much muscle without progressive overload. Remember that the body is going to adapt to the demands put on it. So let's back this up a little bit. The National Strength and Conditioning Association actually breaks this down really well, um, the, the whole concept of progressive overload. Muscles respond to three things. One is mechanical stress which is a combination of uh, time under tension, I'm sure you've heard that term before, and the actual intensity or load that you're using. Muscle damage, which is tears in the muscle that promotes what we call an anabolic response. So the body wants to heal that those little tears to make the muscle stronger. But also metabolic stress is key. And metabolic stress means relying on the anaerobic systems, as in um, the systems, the energy systems in the body that don't require oxygen. And what happens is some of the byproducts of that stimulate that muscle building. And there are certain uh, resistance training modalities that will rely more on metabolic stress and some that rely more on load. And we can talk about that a little bit later. Um, I guess to get further into this, when you're talking about progressive overload, when you tear down the muscle, create metabolic stress, do adequate time under tension. What the body does is something called supercompensation if you're resting, recovering, and feeding it properly. And that is to rebuild that damaged muscle tissue. If you do not progressively overload, you will plateau. Um, good example of this is a lot of these, and I don't know how popular these are in India, but in the US, we see a lot of these boot camp type gyms where they only offer boot camp style classes and the workout okay. changes every day or maybe once uh -huh. a week. Those are really great for beginners, but they lack progressive overload, essentially. Absolutely. And you also talked about how resistance training uh, imp uh, impacts the body metabolism and calorie expenditure. How does this play a role in weight management? So with all the clients that we see at FWF Wellness, we do get a fair amount of clients seeking weight loss, especially, like I said, we specialize in women over 50 who may have some body composition issues. This is the most important thing, and it doesn't seem like a, something important, but 
the more skeletal muscle you have, the more calories you burn at rest. I can illustrate this example by if I have a woman, two women, woman one and woman two are both 140 pounds and each one of them is the same height, say five, four. One of them has 65 pounds of skeletal muscle while the other one has 55. Now for a 140 pound woman to have 65 pounds of skeletal muscle, that is a very strong woman versus somebody who would be more averagely built at 55 pounds of skeletal muscle. Um, If we calculate the basal metabolic rate, what happens is woman number one who has the higher muscle mass will burn about 1500 calories a day at rest versus the woman number two that has 10 pounds less skeletal muscle will burn 1400 calories a day at rest. That doesn't sound like a big deal, 100 calories a day, but if you really think about it, if you're in a caloric deficit of 100 calories a day for three months, that's a two and a half pound weight loss. So you don't, we don't think about that, but if somebody is, has more muscle mass and is burning more calories at rest, over time, they're going to lose more weight than somebody who does not. That's very insightful. And especially uh, you compare two different uh, individuals with muscle mass. And uh, so the next question that I have is, uh, are there any specific type of resistance training routines that are more suitable for individuals uh, which are primarily focused on weight loss uh, versus those focused on muscle gain? This all depends on the conditioning level of the individual. If our audience today is more people who are thinking about getting into resistance training, looking to lose weight, a basic program of compound exercises around two sets of six to 12 repetitions for each, maybe two exercises per muscle group would probably be ideal for that group of people. Uh, what we want to talk about also that I also want, really want to highlight is the research does show that if you are trying to lose weight, if you couple resistance training with a calorie deficit versus aerobic training with a calorie deficit or only resistance training, Lopez et al. illustrated this really well in a study with 45 women that were over the age of 50 and found that the resistance training plus the calorie deficit produced the most amount of weight loss, which is interesting because we would think that aerobic exercise would have that effect, but it does not. So that being said, I would recommend a program, basic compound exercises, which means multi-joint, not not things like bicep curls or tricep extensions, but squats, deadlifts, bench presses, things that are going to use many muscles at once, two sets, uh, six to 12 reps, two to three times a week with three being more ideal for somebody looking to lose weight. If the individual is very conditioned, maybe you're already an athlete or a bodybuilder, you want to do high, you're going to want to actually increase your volume, meaning more sets, more load to maintain that muscle mass if you're also in a calorie deficit. But again, that's getting more complicated than somebody who's just looking into resistance training for the first time. Uh, So from resistance training, how important is nutrition, specifically when we talk about weight management and hypertrophic goals? Nutrition is, again, part of the, the, those four foundational principles that we talked about. The most important thing that we probably all know about is having adequate protein to support muscle growth. Um, in the United States, the RDA, which is the recommended daily allowance for protein, is 0.8 grams per kilogram of body weight. That is entirely too low. It is not enough to maintain muscle, let alone build it. 
So we typically recommend um, around 1.5 grams per kilogram and in a more conditioned or more active person up to 2.2 grams per kilogram of protein a day. So for somebody who's, let's say, 100, I use 140 pounds because it's about my weight. Um, for 140 pound female who's resistance training six times a week, we're going to go for a, about 140 grams of protein a day. If you're only training two times a week, three times a week, you're looking to lose weight, you could do about 100, 110 is still going to be adequate for those purposes. The other thing that's really critical is I've had clients come to me and will say, oh, I got 80 grams of protein for breakfast. You 100% do not want to do that. Nutrient timing is just as important as how much protein you're consuming because the body can only utilize about 20 to 40 grams of protein at a time for those purposes. The rest of it will just get stored. So we want to make sure that it's 20 to 40 grams every three to four hours over the course of the day. So having at least four meals a day is the best way to do that versus having one or two very large meals with a lot of protein. The other piece that people don't like to hear, at least in the U.S., is you actually need carbohydrates to build muscle. You will get a greater hypertrophic response if you are fueling with carbohydrates and protein after your workout. The other piece is you need adequate carbohydrate intake to have a good workout. If you come into the gym, and I've had that experience, fasting, which is very popular in the U.S., I will feel sick to my stomach and I am not going to do my best lift that day. So making sure that you get carbohydrates before your lift and then after your session, a combination of carbohydrates and protein is most beneficial to invoke muscle hypertrophy or muscle building. Um, the last thing I wanted to mention about nutrition is something called bulking and cutting. Have you heard about that before? Yes, yes, absolutely, okay. yes. So bulking and cutting is something we would not necessarily use for somebody just getting into weight loss. That would be for somebody who's more advanced, who wants to take periods of building maximum muscle and cutting fat. So in those cases, we do periods of calorie surpluses and weight gain, sure. followed by periods of weight loss while trying to build muscle, cut fat, build muscle, cut fat. That does become something that we employ in people who are very well conditioned or people who have reached weight loss plateaus. So we can talk about that later on in the podcast. You talked about bulking and cutting. And is it also suitable for uh, beginners who are interested in incorporating resistance training into their weight management plan, uh, especially if they are new to uh, this form of uh, nutrition? Uh, bulking and cutting would not be recommended for somebody who's brand new. The reason is the muscles are very sensitive to training in somebody who they call them newbie gains. I don't know if you've ever heard that term before, but in a person who's not conditioned in the first year of resistance training will be able to not only build muscle in a calorie deficit, but do it very easily. It's when you get several years into resistance training is when it becomes more difficult. So I would not recommend bulking and cutting for a beginner. It's not necessary. So what advice do you have for uh, beginners who are incorporating resistance training uh, any, uh, and they're new to uh, exercises? I would recommend hiring a personal trainer. Hiring a certified personal trainer sure. is the best and most effective way and sticking to it, not just doing it for a few sessions, like actually doing that is definitely the most effective way to get the results that you want. But overall, um, what you need is really good foundational movement patterns. And 
National Academy of Sports Medicine teaches movement patterns first. So this will reduce your injury risk and also make sure that you're getting the most out of your workout. It can take several months to learn how to move properly, how to build enough stability and muscle endurance to do things correctly and then build more muscle. So taking the time to do that in the beginning is really important. Um, a beginner does not need a high volume program. So low volumes, about 12 reps, six to 12, uh, six to 12 reps, two sets, about yeah. 65, 75% of the one rep maximum is perfectly suitable for a beginner. Absolutely. And uh, we, we often heard about the importance of frequency and intensity of resistance training. So how does frequency and intensity of resistance training sessions influence muscle growth and fat loss? Are there any guidelines to follow? So I can tell you both from research and anecdotally, about three times a week, is the biggest, is the best. It's probably the most ideal. There was a study, Campa et al. in 2020, completed on a group of middle-aged women um, in the mid-50s, found that they had the group that exer that uh, completed resistance training programs three times a week lost significantly more weight than the group that was only one time per week. So there is very, very good data that three times a week is ideal. I would say that if you're pressed for time, a minimum of two but one is probably not enough. Sure. So there are a lot of myths, especially uh, around resistance training. So can you debunk the myth that resistance training, especially around uh, women should avoid lifting weights? And we have heard a lot about it. So uh, can you please debunk the myth that resistance training will make women bulky? And how can women uh, leverage resistance training for toning and weight management? So I wish that women could bulk really easily because <laughs> I'm years old and I would love to have giant man muscles. And I, in fact, I lift weights six times a week at extremely high volumes and it didn't work for me. I, I have more muscle than obviously the average woman of my age and size, but I certainly, I don't have really big man muscles. So it does not happen. There's a lot of women that wish it would. Uh, women... Number one, our bone sizes tend to be smaller than males. So a yeah. really good example of that is a clavicle size. That's why men have a lot more, can get a much higher bench press, have a lot more upper yes. body strength because there's more bone to, for muscle to attach to. The other piece is we lack testosterone in the same amounts that a male would have. So if a woman yeah. is to take steroids, they, yeah, they can bulk up. But in, for most women, definitely women training two to three times a week, you can get toned, you can build some muscle, but you're never going to get really, really big. It would take a lot of planning and probably steroids to get really, really big. <laughs> um, even at, like I said, pretty, like I train at very, very high volumes and I still have not managed to achieve that. Uh, resistance training though is really critical for women, especially as we age to maintain our bone mass and our strength. I will tell you that I have a lot of clients in their 60s and 70s where it was very popular for them to be thin and slim, only to find that they now have osteoporosis, sarcopenia, and health problems and mobility issues. So not only is it important for women to do resistance training, but don't be afraid Absolutely. to lift heavy things. Absolutely. And you talked about uh, initially about rest and recovery. Uh, uh, so how crucial are these aspects in resistance training program? 
So if you don't let your muscles rest, they can't repair. It's like anything else in the body. If it's broken down, the body needs time to fix it. Typically, 48 hours between stressing a muscle group for somebody who is not already extremely conditioned. Again, when we're talking about very seasoned bodybuilders, it's a little bit different. Their rest and recovery is a little different. But 48 hours, so we usually train people every other day, not usually back-to-back. If you're doing back-to-back training, splitting the muscle groups is totally fine because you're allowing one set of muscles to rest while you're working the other ones. That's why people may say leg day or upper body day. That's why they do that. Uh, The other piece is sleep. And I cannot stress the importance of sleep enough. Lamone et al. 2021 found that even one night of bad sleep will increase what we call catabolism. And that is tissue breakdown in the body. And the body will slow down muscle protein synthesis, which is muscle building, in only one night of bad sleep. So getting enough sleep, let's say for an adult, seven to eight hours a night, is almost as, if not more important than having good nutrition. People really neglect the rest part because we think that if we just train more and work harder, we're going to get better results. But the rest is also very, very important. The other piece about not resting is overtraining syndrome. Now, overtraining syndrome tends to happen a little bit more with cardio exercise because that may, but any sort of training that really stresses the central nervous system will lead to immune dysfunction, Uh, increase your risk for injury. When you go into your next lift, it's not going to be very good because you're tired and we want to really minimize those risks. For anyone out there who's interested in fitness tracking, I don't know if you've ever heard of a whoop strap before, W-H-O-O-P. I have one. I love it. It really picks up those little changes in the central nervous system and will give you a recovery score and it will tell you if you are good to train or you need to rest. Using one of Uh those uh, technologies can really help you optimize your training and get adequate rest and recovery. So especially talking about uh, people who are going for hypertrophy. So is there any specific guidelines when it comes to rest and recovery? Uh, You want to, again, that 48 hours is probably good. People who are very, very conditioned, again, and this is a theme that we'll keep talking about, will need much, much higher volumes to get get a hypertrophic response. So there are even uh, bodybuilders out there who train two times a day. They'll train eight or nine times a week. Obviously, they can't get 48 hours rest. But what they do in more advanced lifters, you may not train certain lifts back-to-back. For instance, deadlifts are very neurologically stressful. So maybe somebody who's training for hypertrophy won't train deadlifts, you know, back to back, but they may do deadlifts and another lower body exercise, if that sort of makes sense. Um, on two consecutive days, I mean, within one workout routine, most people who are going for big hypertrophy gains are going to do many, many exercises, reps and sets per in the same muscle group. You want to get lots of muscle damage (laughs) and (laughs) metabolic stress. Absolutely. Uh, Earlier you talked about uh, compound movements uh, in effective resistance training regimen. So can you explain the role of uh, compound movements for resistance training? Yes. Compound movements, let's talk about what those are. That means exercises that use multiple muscles at once, multi-joint. So an exercise like a bicep curl would be an isolation exercise versus 
a row, maybe a seated row, which is going to use not only the bicep, but primarily using back muscles. So a compound exercise is something that is going to be moving more than one joint and using more than one muscle. If you are a beginner lifter, you are going to want to focus on compounds for a very long time because they're the biggest bang for your buck. It's a very efficient way to train a lot of muscles at once. The other piece is it also mimics daily movements most of the time and the proper sequence of muscle firing patterns to do those movements. I keep going back to the deadlift. You think about what is the purpose of the deadlift to pick something up off the ground. How many times a day do you pick up a box, a piece of furniture? Um, if you're doing an exercise like a squat, how many times a day are you squatting down and standing up and squatting down and standing up? So those or or a push-up or a bench press, getting yourself up off the floor if you fall flat on your face. So those yes. exercises, biggest bang for your buck, mimic functional movement patterns. Isolation exercises become more important in the sport of bodybuilding because you are trying to stress a particular muscle group to grow it. And isolation exercises can be really, really helpful for that, but not, ne not necessary for a beginning lifter. Um, the other piece, I forgot to answer the question about weight management. Compound exercises are going to give you a lot of metabolic stress. <laughs> so okay. it will help you to build muscle. And it's probably, again, what I would recommend even for somebody on a weight loss program. Sure. Uh, one of the questions that I have is, as we age, our body's response to exercise changes. So what consideration should older adults keep in mind when incorporating resistance training, uh, say for weight management, or someone who's wanting to maintain their muscle mass that is being lost? As we age, even if you are lifting weights, you are going to lose muscle over time because... The body's response to exercise is not as efficient anymore. This starts to happen 30s, 40s. By the time you're in your 60s, even someone who is a seasoned lifter will not be able to lift as much as they could when they're 30 years old. That's just the way it is. However, resistance training is critical for older adults because older adults are going to have movement and coordination and balance problems. They're going to have, if, if untrained and not, you know, as we age, muscle loss, Bone loss is a really, really big problem and increased risk for fractures. So making sure that we maintain resistance training as we age is critical for maintaining independence into old age, being able, again, to get off the floor. Uh, you would be surprised how many clients I train who can't get on and off the floor in their 60s. Or someone, I have some clients who can't okay. get in and out of a chair properly. So those uh -huh. sorts of things, that's when resistance training is important. Um, we also want to make sure, though, with older adults that their movement patterns are very good and their stability is very good. Uh, sometimes we have older, I have an older gentleman friend who was a power lifter and struggles with being 60 and not able to lift as much. So making, if you're going to try to lift a lot, a lot of weight when you're an older adult, you may get yourself injured. <laughs> so you want to be smart about your training smart about your warm-ups yes. in particular, smart about your recovery, still lifting, you know, heavy weights high up in your, like maybe 65 to 85% of your 1RMs is still reasonable, but making sure that you do it intelligently. High intensity um, exercise, even for older adults, 
does bring better results. So we don't want to necessarily avoid high intensity exercises. We just want to make sure that the movement patterns are solid and it's modified correctly. So one of the things that we especially see is everyone is busy these days and they don't find time to exercise. So given this busy schedule, would you suggest some time efficient resistance training routine that can help uh, people who are wanting to lose weight or uh, can provide the benefits of hypertrophy? Well, to get significant muscle hypertrophy, you need a lot of volume. If you're not a beginning lifter, sure. if you're a more advanced lifter, which means there is a time commitment. I typically have to spend two hours at the gym to do one lifting session. That being said, if you're a beginner lifter, you're doing this to lose weight, you can probably get away with three one-hour sessions a week of resistance training. And yeah. it may not be, I'd love to say you can do weightlifting for 10 minutes and get great results, but you really have to make some amount of time investment to get the results you want. Uh, that being said, for more advanced lifters, we have recently come across an interesting protocol that is very time efficient. Have you ever heard of a 3-7, um, what is it called? It's called a 3-7 uh, method. I don't know if you've ever heard of that before, but that method yes. allows you to lift lower loads, very time efficient because the rest intervals are very short and it sure. works at building muscles by creating a lot of metabolic stress. So you may be able to get in. I can do a 3-7 lift in about an hour. The way uh -huh. it works is it's three reps, four reps, five reps, six reps, seven reps. And then you repeat for either two, two to three sets and you get 15 seconds of recovery in between each lift. What's great about it, again, a lot of metabolic stress. So you get more muscle gain. And actually, when they've looked at research on this, some of the studies have even shown 70% more muscle hypertrophy than you would get with a traditional oh. program. However, having done it several times myself, I do want to cry by the time I get to I do. I have cried I can, before. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> But for somebody who needs to be very time efficient, you can, because of the shortened rest intervals, you can do it very quickly. Absolutely. And uh, I think one of the important part that uh, we are going to talk now is about uh, plateaus. And I, I remember in our previous conversation, you talked about it, uh, which is very common in most fitness journeys. So what strategies uh, can people employ, employ to overcome plateaus, whether they're wanting to go for weight loss or uh, gain muscles uh, while following a resistance training program? So remember the principle of specificity, right? The body is going to adapt to what you do. Yes. Eventually, true. no matter what routine you're doing, your body is going to adapt to it. So you're, if you do the same number of sets, the same number of reps, the same volumes, the same number of times per week, your muscle is going to adapt to that and you won't be using progressive overload anymore. So plateau, to break the plateau, you have to change some of those things. You either have to increase your loads you have to increase your sets, you have to increase your reps, or you have to increase your frequencies to continue to gain more muscle. One of the ways that the National Academy of Sports Medicine recommends breaking a plateau, and if you've looked at this before, is alternating between a hypertrophy and strength phase. So perhaps cool. you're doing the hypertrophy range. We're talking about maybe three sets, four sets, six to 12 reps, sometimes even up to 20 can be acceptable. And then instead of that, doing that for a little while, switch to 
low um, reps. So like the three to six rep range with high loads, 85% to 100%, depending on how many reps per set. So very heavy loads. And what that allows is for a neurologic adaptation and what will allow you to lift heavier weights in your next hypertrophy phase, allowing for more growth. So that is a strategy called periodization. So we do that all the time. That's actually the ideal way to train. So perhaps you want to train for hypertrophy for, let's say, they call them mesocycles, two mesocycles, yeah. so we'll say about eight weeks, and then do one mesocycle of strength with deloading in between, you may get a much better response on that next hypertrophy cycle. So that's how you would break a plateau for hypertrophy. Weight loss is really a different category. We're talking about weight loss. Yes, we're using resistance training programs to aid in weight loss, but we're really talking about a calorie deficit. Weight loss is more nutritional or increasing our overall daily activity to yes. expend more calories. So with weight loss, it gets complicated. Um, I just saw a client today who's at a major weight loss plateau, has lost 30 pounds, done beautifully, is struggling to get those last couple pounds off. And uh -huh. when we sat down today and we talked about it, I asked her, are you weighing your food? Are you measuring your food? Are you watching your portions? Are you really getting in all the physical activity we talked about in the plan? And the answer is no. Because what the body does is our minds will tell us, oh, that's not really a full serving. You maybe you didn't log that extra coffee creamer that you had. Absolutely, you start to get, a, yes. yeah, you start to get more lax and your calorie intake actually starts to increase. The other piece is your body will try to lower your activity. Maybe you're not fidgeting as much. Maybe you're not hitting your step goals. You'll make excuses. But in reality, that's what a plateau comes from. It's usually not you know, just that the body is still in a calorie deficit and is magically not losing weight, you are no longer in a calorie deficit. The key is to find out why you are no longer in a calorie deficit. Absolutely. And one of the strategies we might use to help with that is something called a refeed, where we'll temporarily ah. bring, I'll bring a client back up to what we call maintenance calories for a little while, and then try to put them on that diet again in a, like a month maybe even just a couple of weeks, maybe even I had to put somebody in at a refeed for three months once. And that will help to break the plateau because it sort of reverses the psychological and physiologic process of metabolic Gosh. adaptations. Absolutely. So one question that I have is on um, alternate exercises, specifically to people who love working out from their homes and not very... I would say inclined to go to gym or they do not have access to gym. Are there any effective alternative or home-based resistance training exercises that people can incorporate uh, in their daily routines if they're working out from their homes? There are several services that you can subscribe to, um, Beachbody being one, Burn Along being another one, yeah. where you can get fitness classes if you are a beginner. Anything you do will help you gain muscle and gain strength because you're conditioned. So home base can be a really great place to start, but there's a couple of problems as you become more advanced with home based. First, the first one is you don't really have anybody to keep you accountable. And some people are very self-disciplined, but some people really won't do all of the workout or go at the right intensity, lift heavy enough weights at home without a coach 
So that's the most common problem we run into. The other problem is if you are a very advanced lifter, and we're talking about going for hypertrophy and growing a lot of muscle, you may not have enough access to enough resistance to do that. You're going to need a lot of weight, and we're talking, you know, barbells, hundreds of pounds, not just 20 pound weight. And I'll have clients come to me for this purpose all the time and say, oh, I have... I have all the things I need at home. I have resistance bands. I have some dumbbells. And I'll say, that's a great place to start, but you're not, you're going to plateau very easily doing that. So you can try one of those um, virtual classes, home services. If you have a really great home gym that has access to all of the resistance you might need, you may even consider an online trainer writing programs for you. But ultimately, if you want weight loss, you want muscle hypertrophy, you really have to invest the time, effort, and money that it takes to get it. Absolutely. I think that was quite insightful, Nicole, coming to almost the end of our uh, discussion today. Are there any key recommendations that you'd have for people wanting to go for weight management and specifically weight loss? Absolutely. And I can tell you I've done this a very long time and I can give you the biggest bang for the buck tips that will help resistance training three times a week with compound exercises, one and a half grams per kilogram of day of protein timed properly. So split up into four meals and stay physically active outside your resistance training program. So that means getting a lot of steps. I usually recommend for weight loss about 12,000 a day, but getting as many steps as possible and remaining as physically active as possible. Those are really the biggest things that you can do. Oh, yes, and eight hours of sleep a night. Those are the biggest things you can do to really help yourself lose weight while incorporating resistance training. And any recommendations for hypertrophy? So protein intake of about, if you're advanced, uh, 1.5 to 2.2 grams per kilogram per day. High volumes, so that means a lot of what I mean by volume, I, that is reps times sets times, um, what am I saying? But times load. So you want to have very high volumes. I would recommend maybe three to six sets, six to 12 reps for a muscle group, do at least two exercises. And you want to be doing probably more frequency, three times a week minimum, maybe even four, maybe five. And you may want to consider bulking and cutting if you are advanced as a lifter. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Nicole. That was great speaking with you once again. And I look forward to hosting you for another exciting episode on some other topic pretty soon. All right. Thank you again for having me. That's a wrap. Thank you for listening to Fitness Pro Chat by Fit Aerobic. We hope you had key takeaways from today's episode and learned something new. Don't forget to download and subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. And leave us a rating and review on your favorite platform. In the meantime, reach out to us on Instagram at Fit Aerobic or through our website, fitaerobic.com. And remember, failures will only make you strong and better learn. Take care, stay healthy, and live a fulfilling life with Fit Aerobic.